0: Hi, I'm Sarah Evans, digital host for the Catalyst program. Join me along with four business experts as we explore the burning questions of today's businesses. Follow along on any social network with hashtag Growth Matters. With me today is Robert Scher. He is a mid-sized company leadership and management expert. Robert, thanks for being here today. Oh, you're
1: welcome, happy to be here.
0: I'm excited to talk to you about this topic because it is Uh, a big step when a company goes from startup to that smaller size. Now we're talking mid-size, a huge growth curve. So what does that look like for a company?
1: It's exciting. You realize there's real momentum behind you, but it also means that things start to get complicated Mm -hmm. and things take longer. And it feels like there's a little bit of lethargy sometimes. It's just not as quick as it was when you were a startup.
0: So what are the some of the key attributes when you say, okay, we've hit the midsize category now, what are some of the things to look for to know?
1: That you're midsize? Yes. So based on the research, roughly you could say between 10 million revenues and mm-hmm. up to a billion, big okay. range. If you looked at headcount, maybe it's 20 to 5,000, but the bottom line is things start to get complicated. You need a team of leaders. You can't have one leader and some helpers. So Those are signs that you're getting into midsize.
0: What are some of the mistakes the pitfalls that businesses run into at this point.
1: Probably one of the biggest challenges is that they try to act like a small business mm-hmm. like they used to, but faster, mm-hmm. less sleep, same number of people doing more things. And you can't run a mid-sized business and keep it growing the way you did when you were small.
0: I assume there's a burnout factor. You can only run so fast for so long before you realize it's not going to work.
1: There's a burnout factor, but there's also just less progress. Okay. Cause for a, a $30 million business to keep growing, it takes, a real team, it takes lots of people and lots of leadership, mm-hmm. and one person can't supply all that.
0: As you move into that next category, what are some of the most important teams for that organization?
1: Well, when you talk about teams, there's always the management team, mm-hmm. and that grows. A management team might start as just the founder, then it mm-hmm. becomes you know, one level of direct reports, and then it goes deeper and deeper. That's part of it. Boards can also be important teams as well.
0: Let's talk about complexity, because things get more complex as you get bigger. Uh, What are some of the causes for this?
1: The causes is is just scale. So you think, you know, Mm -hmm. things start to multiply. What does that mean? Well, you might go from one location to multiple locations Mm -hmm. from 20 people to 200 people. Those people may be spread out in different areas, maybe different countries, then you get different currencies and you're competing with bigger companies. That's more complex to figure out all the ways you're doing battle out there. Mm and sometimes big customers, and they're complex to deal with as well.
0: So when a company works with someone like you, they come in, and they say, here are our complexities and you're familiar with what they are. Where do you start? It seems like such a, a big undertaking. How do you get started helping a company?
1: So it's different for every company. Mm -hmm. And and CEOs and leaders are different. And so they approach midsize from different perspectives. Some of the things I really look for. One is processes. Midsize Mm -hmm. companies need more processes. Second thing I look is that leadership and management team, right? Have they scale up? Do they have enough? Do they have enough seasoning in that leadership and management team? Third is tools. The tools we use as startups, Mm -hmm. really, really different than the tools we have to use at midsize. The fourth thing, I guess, it would be more disciplined execution. You can be kind of sloppy when you're small and scramble around mm-hmm. a little bit. Doesn't work at midsize. The last thing that I, I tend to, to start off looking for is a longer term planning horizon. Okay,
0: and I assume for many of those steps there are tools in place. You don't just come in and say here are five steps. They actually have to track, they have to use analytics. There are things they have to put in place to make these trackable and manageable and, and goal checking, right? Yes,
1: yes. And And the beginnings of all these things are there even in a small business. But when you get to that next scale up, you have to add a little bit, right? Mm Because the complexity is starting to come in. So it's it's an incremental process of growing kind of as the organization grows.
0: And what are some of the processes that need to be put in place i assume you also get at the the heart of a lot of these things um right, right. sort of accounting qa what, what are some of the processes that are needed
1: so i break them up into two categories mm-hmm. there's operating pro- processes and okay. you mentioned some how do we close the books mm-hmm. how do we hire people let's not yes. figure that out every time um, and, and so on and then there's leadership and management processes yes. gee we have to business plan a little bit more formally this time oh a budget we should have a budget. Mm-hmm. And so there's any number of things like that. Both are really important as companies grow through midsize.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about leadership because as you're moving from a different tier company, I assume that leadership is essential. Yes, employees are, yes, customers, but a strong leadership is going to be steering the ship. What is essential for leadership and management to be aware of during these growth periods or these growth pains?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think the first thing is that leadership has to be aware that they have to consciously build their leadership. Mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we're so used to working in the business, we don't think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's the first thing. I, I think the, the next thing is to, is to come to grips that you can't have one smart founder, and I've been there, I've, I've made this mistake, mm-hmm. and have five or ten helpers. Uh, and then it becomes 13 and then 15 helpers. Mm -hmm. At some point you have to say, wow, maybe operations is where I need the most firepower. I'm gonna spend the big bucks and bring in someone with external knowledge into operations. And as a company grows through midsize, you add those leaders, hopefully smarter and more experienced than you, than the CEO, because they're pulling the organization with you. And as we grow through midsize, pretty soon we have a whole team of them. And it's an awesome feeling when you have this amazing group that's, that's thinking together and pulling it forward. And all you have to do as the founder or the CEO is keep them coordinated and organized. It's, it's exhilarating.
0: So what I, I think what I hear you saying in this is that as you grow into that next year as the leader, it's a time of major self-reflection because you're examining your own weaknesses to balance those out. So that's a, um, a huge, has to be a huge step for some people to say, here's what I'm not good at and I need to surround myself with the people that can be yes. strong. Yes.
1: It's, it's that, it's what you're not good at. It's also getting other people to handle things so that you can focus on your strengths. Mm-hmm. You can maybe get back and reflect to say, why did I start this business? Who was I trying to help? Now, if I can get rid of all the noise of all this business stuff going on, which I love, but mm-hmm. not all founders love all the business stuff. Mm-hmm. They founded it because they had a purpose, they wanted to drive. They get to go back and do that and that's fun for them.
0: And getting rid of a lot of the business stuff also means implementing a lot of tools. I assume to help either automate or make things more efficient. What are some of the tools businesses should look at when they move into this mid-size category?
1: So of course here at SAP there's all those IT tools. Mm -hmm. There's uh, enterprise resource planning, there's Mm -hmm. CRM. So there's a bunch of IT things and that really does have to step up from small if you want to grow and be able to drive that forward. But there's other tools. There's human tools, HR tools, Mm -hmm. we love disk. We love uh, uh, an onboarding tool called, called PXT, it's an assessment tool. There's, uh, in terms of manufacturing, robotics. There's amazing things that mid-sized businesses finally can afford that help, um, that help make things better and that help simplify the complexity because we've got a tool in place that helps us sort of drive
0: we were talking a lot about complexities, and I assume one of the benefits from being a smaller company is that you can be more nimble. You can get a lot done fast because you don't have a lot of hierarchy. There's not a lot of, you know, in, maybe internal politics at that time. How does a midsize company now compete with those smaller, more nimble companies in the same space?
1: So, so you have to accept the fact that at midsize, you can't go as fast. Okay. I remember when I was a startup, Legal right? Fact. I had to move. <laughs> Friends, pick up truck, get it in there, weekend, we're moved. Now imagine a 50,000 square foot manufacturing facility, you're not moving over a weekend. But you do that because the leader's job at Midsize is to look further into the future. And you say, you know what, given our growth rate and what's happening, we have to think about moving. And so you have a longer planning horizon, you start in advance, and that's what the CEO should be doing. And as you grow through Midsize, the senior team, they're living in the future. And they're getting the organization ready so that when that move comes, say within three months, hey, you can hand it off to your director's team. Mm-hmm. They know what to do. They're cranking through the short-term stuff. And even during a move, the CEO and their top team is thinking about a year down the road.
0: So looking a year down the road and looking that longer horizon, how do you actually bring that to life? What are the steps, or at a very broad scale, what are some of the things a business needs to do to be able to plan? three months, six months, 12 months out?
1: So first of all, there has to be enough leadership bandwidth. If the top people are still fighting all the fires and running around because maybe they don't have a middle management yet, okay. or they've been afraid to delegate, that's a showstopper. That's really, really mm-hmm. common. So that's the first thing is we have to clear time and realize that our job is to live in the, in the future. I think the second thing is to break the future down into steps. Most of us that have been entrepreneurial have trouble, think long-term, what am I gonna do? And then the email pops and you're you're doing this again. So hey, if we've got to look at a product release two years from now, let's break that up into a project and assign it to ourselves and say, great, Q1 right now, I've got to do X research. And then we're in a comfort zone of tackling something clear, getting it done, but it's the steps to a long-term goal.
0: So bite-sized pieces, break it down. And how does leadership work on communicating that down to the frontline worker who's bringing this to life? Are there tools, are there steps, are there processes they can look at or you can help them with to make sure that that funnel is communicated down to the people who are actually making it come to life?
1: That's a great question. And I can tell you how many CEOs and C-suite leaders say, "I I told my team to tell everyone why didn't it happen? And everyone's clueless at that level. So one is discipline around how we roll things down an organization, that's one. Second, is you've got to write these things down. If you just talk about it, it doesn't go anywhere, but you write them down. Now that being said, you may not want to tell the whole organization about the ideas for a new product or some futuristic thing, because we want organizations to focus on the work that they've got to do. So it has to be thoughtfully done. There's a thoughtful communication program that we lay out, but there is a certain point in time when we have all hands meetings. We have regular one-on-ones, we have team meetings, we have presentations, short, abbreviated, but we have to get some process in how we communicate if we want it to be dependable.
0: And I would love to talk about process. Uh, it's one of the things in my <laughs> communications days, I love looking at accountability, knowing here's how the work I'm doing, so here's my goal, here's my result, also transfers up to my leader and their leader. And it's something that we can all see, so we can see the results. Uh, how does an organization make sure people understand their purpose in the scope of things?
1: Love that question. So one of the first things we find in mid-sized companies is the need to create uh, a cascading, I call it an operating plan. Mm-hmm. And so literally one page, we use this one page planning process. Hey, what are the most important things for the company? Projects and KPIs and vision and mission mm-hmm. and strategies. And then we roll that down to the top team at each functional leader. Mm-hmm. Hey, how does that apply to me? What what part do I and my team have to get done? And if all five of us that report to the CEO accomplish our one pagers, mm-hmm. then we win. And then depending on the size of the organization, so at 50 to 100 million, you might even take it down one more tier mm-hmm. to the VP level or director level, and you break it down again. And that takes four to six weeks and it's some work mm-hmm. and we're not putting out fires while we're doing that, but. You know that amount of planning and that clarity means that at two or three levels leaders know what to do they don't have to ask they're not waiting for permission Mm -hmm. it's clear it's thought through and it's empowering right because they're like i know what i need to do i know what winning looks like and i'm tracking that every single month and that's what we we really you know encourage is you don't just write the plan and let it sit there every month how are we doing hey do you need help And then that gets people to stay focused on the most important things that are on their one page and before you know it the year's up and we get what we want
0: i love that so tell us if you were um, to offer one to two pieces of advice to a leader or executive in a now growing business uh, and, and they might say why do i need to work with robert what are one to two tips you would give them and Almost a reason why they would need to bring you in to assist them in their growth.
1: The way I'd answer that is, many people in their companies are experts at what they do, experts at the product, experts at the service, and this transition through midsize happens once in a company's life, and most leaders haven't gone through it, and the the process to build leadership infrastructure and communication and business plans is often a first time, and at midsize, I'd say don't learn it on the job, there's too much at stake. Your company might be worth five or 10 or a $100 million. And there's plenty of resources, me and many others, that over and over again, help companies get through that. Is this too much planning? Is this bureaucratic or is this good? How do you size that correctly? Getting a little bit of help on that is is really important and helpful.
0: Well, thanks so much, Robert. Learned a lot and I'm sure that our audience did too. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned along with us. You can find out more at growthmattersnetwork.com.